Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Nice being back in studio and more so chatting to an old friend of ours all the way from the Northern Hemisphere playing in the United Rugby Championship. So looking forward to some nice inside information tonight. Yes, a familiar face here with us, Ricardo Lopesha. Ricardo, welcome. Thanks, gents. Um, yeah, once again, thank you for the opportunity. It's always nice chatting. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to our chat tonight. Yes, so do we. We would uh, like to find out how how the weather is in Glasgow. You mentioned something that um, the weather gave you a bit of a chance to, to practice this week. Um, how's it going in Glasgow? Yeah, I think today was probably the first time we had sort of... Uh, uh, proper training in, in terms of the, let's call it now, the weather conditions for the last two weeks. Uh, the sun has been out, yeah, so but it's actually nice today to uh, just to challenge the players a little bit in terms of their skill set, uh, just for, for preparation for Saturday's game. And uh, yeah, and it's, I think that that's probably the big adjustment coming from uh, South Africa to this side of uh, this part of the world. Uh, yeah, the weather conditions play a massive part because you never know that, that there's all, the ball is always, always greasy. There's always that humidity and a bit of a slippery ball that you have to deal with. Sorry, Kai. I just want to ask, before we ask your questions with regards to being on tour and so forth, I just want to ask, you know, the Lions obviously weren't in a great position leading up to the United Championship. And I'm saying that with respect to, to the union, not dissing the union or anything, but regards to changing staff and coaching staff and new staff. I think you guys only basically had a week to... Oh, well, on two weeks, I think it is, to prepare with a new coaching staff. Not from a player's perspective, obviously, because they need to adapt in that, but from a coaching point of view, um, obviously, you yourself have been around the block. Um, so has Albert van der Berg. So you guys obviously know each other and that, but coaching together is different. How difficult was it to try and prepare these guys to go and do on a massive tournament like this, to play in the Northern Hemisphere, and you only have two weeks? Yeah, I think it's probably a great question, um... And uh, just in terms of time, I think uh, if you look at the, it was a short turnaround from the Curry Cup. Uh, I can't really talk about what happened, um, say, with the, in terms of the previous coaching staff. Uh, but I know, what I do know, there's a, there's a great buzz in the camp. Uh, there's excitement and, um, yeah, and it's, uh, it's obviously new in terms of uh, the coaching staff. So from that point of view, it was sort of a challenge for us. And we tried to simplify things to keep it simple. Uh, just to get alignment, uh, the first few weeks of training, just to make sure that we get our blueprints out there, our system, uh, get everybody aligned. And it's still a bit of a challenge. Ideally, you want to have uh, a, a, like what we call a proper pre-season, at least three, four weeks together. Yeah. So we're actually looking forward to, to the next break. Um, after the last, the next two games, we can have like a proper, let's call it four to five weeks, where we can ideally uh, sit and just... Uh, implement all our systems, uh, polish all our, our policies, how we want to play. But I think from uh, from the first two games, uh, lots of learning for us. Uh, we had a great start against every Scarlet's uh, just a massive step up in terms of intensity. You play against quality players, the same with Zebri. And uh, Glasgow won't be any different. Uh, they like to play ball in hand. So we, for us, it's about, uh, yeah, we're in a deep end and we have to swim really fast. It's about getting your flippers on and just uh, pedal and kick as fast as you can. But having said, having said that, um, not only from a, from a Lions perspective, I think from a South African perspective, your first round that you played, um, I think spectators worldwide 
could see the quality that could come out of the line setup. And they all spoke about how poor the lines were in the Curry Cup and how poor they will in all probability be in the United Championships. But I think on that specific day, when everything, well, the first half at least, put it that way, um, on that specific day, it showed what the Lions can produce on the day. And surely, yes. from a coaching point of view and from a player's perspective, that would have given you guys a lot of confidence, knowing that it's going to be an uphill battle, but you can at least play. Yeah, I think uh, if you go back to the Zabri, the first half, um, we can hold on to that. That's, that's what we're aiming for in terms of our attack. And the big challenge now is just to be consistent. Um, and I think that will come over, over time. Uh, unfortunately, at this level, you don't have a lot of time. Time is a luxury. But for us, it's now just to keep our heads down, to work as hard as we can, to prepare as well as we can. And I promise you, from uh, within inside the camp, there's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of drive to get things um, right and to turn things around. So we're actually excited. Uh, for us at the moment, I think it's more about the performance, the process. Uh, yes, the results will come, ideally. Uh, first prize is to win games. But for us, it's now to make sure we process-driven, stick to our systems, uh, stick to our policies. And, yeah, we, we, we hope we can turn the corner for the next game. Um, Ricardo, on that point, your, your responsibilities in your position are in the, in the Lions squad, what does that all entail? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking after the attack, um, back's attack, and also the, a bit of the kicking game. Uh, yeah, massive responsibility. Always, if you don't score tries, they look at the backline coach, per se. But then uh, Ian Beckenthal told the story once, he said, no, you must start with the forwards. If you want to complain about uh, not scoring tries, you need to start with the forwards first. But uh, that's a bit of tongue-in-cheek. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the nice thing for us is that we got time on to it to, to gel. That's the nice thing about touring and you gel as a team. We, we spend a lot more time together as a coaching staff. Now, I promise you, it's probably we go to bed uh, basically 11, 12 at night, every, every night. And that, that's the lack of thing about touring is that you can spend time together. Um, and then with any marriage or any partnership or any relationship, the more time you spend together, the, the more quality you're going to get out of that. Uh, if I can just ask you there with uh, Jacques Fury coming on board as the defensive coach, um, you know, you're talking about the forwards and the backs, and you are right. I'd like to say that at club level as well, you know, if they all say the backs are poor and they say, but the forwards don't give us ball, and so you're carrying on. But from a defensive point of view, um, it's a complete and utter different ball game. So defence, to be a proper defensive side, and I say this with respect to any profession, it's not going to take you two weeks to get it right. So Jacques obviously came on board, and he... It had to change certain things, obviously, as to your vision and where you want to go and what he wants to get out of it in his principles. How difficult is it or has it been to try and relate that to the players to say, listen, this is what we want, but we do understand. It's a professional level, so you don't really want to understand. You want it done immediately, but it's not that simple. How difficult was it for them to get that buy-in and for you guys to stay positive knowing what you want, but it's not what you're getting? Yeah, and you're right by saying it's not so straightforward, um, whether it's attack or defense or your kicking game. Uh, it's going to take time. Coaching is uh, it's all about processes. You need to put uh, or spend time implementing your, your system. So it's not going to happen overnight. And uh, ideally, we want to turn the corner as quickly as possible. We showed against Zebri that we can do it. Yeah. 
But uh, all a focus now is just about driving those principles, work together with the, your senior players, your leaders. Uh, we all got different, we got attack leaders, we got defense leaders, uh, scrum lineup leaders, and we have these players, uh, we work together as a unit and we make sure that uh, they sort of ex an extension of us as coaches, uh, just to drive the principles on and off the field. Um, we were talking about you now having um, or had a, a good day in your in your preparation. Um, how difficult is it adapting to the conditions now from coming out of the Curry Cup, going into the Northern Hemisphere and then adapting to the different conditions? I think the start is you got to look at the weather conditions. Um, when we go back now, it's... Uh, um, on the high field, it's, it's, it's dry and it's quick, and it's uh, yeah, maybe the odd thunderstorm. But uh, when you're here, you get it's rain basically every second day. So for us, it's just the mindset, um, getting used to that wet ball, getting used to we're training on different uh, surfaces. Um, I think it's a 4G pitch, if I got it right. Yeah. Uh, we're playing on a 4G pitch on the on the weekend, so. Uh, you're, there's also the ability to adapt to that, not just the weather conditions, but also the training on those surfaces. Um, because I don't know what the, the research is on that, but uh, from a personal point of view, um, I think players, sometimes you're picking up injuries um, because of that. And it's just a change from going from a normal pitch to that sort of uh, 4G pitch. Uh, yeah, so from that point of view, there's a challenge, but also the weather conditions. So just uh, to go back to the Curry Cup, and I know you weren't part of the Lions, but obviously I can only assume you guys would have spoken about it a little bit because I can only assume that all the franchises would have used the Curry Cup as preparation, obviously, to go and play in the Northern Hemisphere, although the conditions in that are different. Um, the first question to that is, um, would that have assisted you guys? Have you done something in the Curry Cup that you have already reaped the rewards of playing North? And the second thing that I'd like to ask is on that is the difference, um, maybe one or two points is the difference between playing Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere teams at that level for your guys to adapt. Yeah, I think we actually started late. Um, so ideally, we would have loved me to, to be part of that uh, Curry Cup uh, campaign um, because this the last sort of four weeks is, uh, is for us to get to know the players and vice versa and also us as a management team. And, and secondly, you want to play at least three games to, to get to know the players better, um, to implement our uh, systems, our uh, policies. Um, yeah, that's that's a challenge for us. I think the norm of, if you go back now to Curry Cup, uh, you look at the physicality of those uh, derbies, as always tight games, as always physical. Now you get to this part of the world where they play with a lot more intensity, play, teams are a lot more attacking-minded. Uh, on top of that, they also bring a lot of... Um, what we call game management, they, they kick and they suffocate, they kick in behind you, they know how to play the pressure game, they know how to keep the ball in hand. So it's all of, I think from, from our point of view, from a South African point of view, is to get used to playing with a lot more, or play against teams with a lot more intensity, um, and also how to handle those uh, teams with, uh, with a kicking game. Um, because if you play against a lot of international players, they understand how to play from uh, turnovers, they understand how to shape you, they understand how to pin you, kick in behind you, and force mistakes. Being on tour there with uh, with the players now, the experience the players get there, do you think um, it will help them visiting um, different countries and playing in different countries now? 
different teams and, and a completely different environment um, in the future in, in, in building better players? 100%. In my view, I look at where we are now with this, with the URC, the new competition is basically when we go back to the Super Rugby. Uh, way back when we started out, it was uh, the first few years, it was a bit of a, a nightmare for teams. Uh, I'm talking about the travel now, uh, getting used to the pace of, uh, of Super Rugby. And I think uh, we will definitely be coming back um, to this part of the world um, in maybe four or five weeks' time. I can promise you we will definitely be better. Uh, players will get used to the conditions here. They will get used to playing teams that are playing with a lot more intensity. So, Ricardo, just on this subject, and, and I'm just going to break away from the URC a little bit and the line specifically and just tap on the Springboks quickly. Um, although we'll be chatting Springbok rugby a little bit later if, if time time allows us. I just want to ask you, obviously we're talking about, and and obviously we're South Africans, so we want to benefit, reap the benefit from everything happening in world rugby. And and part of it, as Kasper has asked the question and you answered to say, we can only benefit from playing against teams in the north now as we are doing. My, my, my question to that is, as an ex-Springbok coach, Obviously, you've you've been around and you've seen players change and whatever. What is your take on our players leaving our shores to go and play, let's say, in Japan or for Leinster or Ulster or whoever it is, and then coming back to play for South Africa? There's obviously a lot of criticism worldwide, and you look at New Zealand, Australia, whether they allow it or don't allow it. There's, there's the laws that they bring in. With Rassi Erasmus coming back as a director of rugby two seasons ago, South African rugby lapsed those laws to say we can bring players in. I think it was 30 tests, if I'm not mistaken. Surely, as a, as a layman sitting on this side, but you, the Springbok coach, or ex-Springbok coach, can allow to obviously elaborate on this, surely that must benefit South African rugby, period. 100%. Uh, you, if you can maybe just... Talk about the intellectual property. Um, players getting exposed to different styles of coaching, uh, playing overseas, playing abroad, playing with different inter um, internationals from different countries. Um, so they're getting exposed to something different. Um, all, you always worry about uh, conditioning, uh, especially when they go to France. Um, but then I think once they're back in camp, that's something that they will sort out as quickly as possible. But yeah, it's definitely a benefit first to having all our players playing overseas. Um, I've just looked at a, at a list today of um, South African players playing overseas, playing abroad. And on that list, um, I just quickly counted 11 current Springbok, 11 players that were on the field on Saturday playing against New Zealand that plays abroad. So 11 out of the 23-man squad was playing, out of, uh, playing over, um, abroad. Um, and that list consists of about 125 players. And if you look through them, it's massive. It's big names. Um, on that list, I mean, it, it's guys that that played for all the big franchises, that played Super Rugby. Some of them played uh, Springbok Rugby. Um, don't you think that those players being out of our system has depleted our provincial sides to such an extent that we battle to compete? In Super Rugby, we, the, the, the All Blacks almost came out and said that they don't want to play against us anymore because we're not competitive. And now going to the Northern Hemisphere, um, the first two weeks now, we got some serious hidings. Um, do you think it's because of those players depleting our 
um, provincial sides? Look, you're always going to have the, the challenge with players uh, moving around, uh, playing abroad. Um, it's a professional game. So from our point of view, in a perfect world, ideally you want those players yes. to stay, but we know we can't compete yes. against uh, whether it's uh, yeah. the Euro, whether it's the Yen, uh, the Pound. And yeah, and it's a professional game. Uh, players will always move around. Um, but then again, uh, I think if we can have our best players available, especially when it comes to the yes. stream box, um, ideally that's first prize. I, I tend to agree with you, you know, and I, you know, obviously coaches look at it differently. And you look at mm -hmm. Faf de Klerk, for argument's sake, when when Faf left South Africa, he was yes. a decent player, he came back a very good player. You can go yeah. back to the olden days Springboks. Um, whoever left came back, there's that. And you, you're 100% right, Ricardo, when you speak about the conditions and, 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 and players getting exposed to different coaches. You know, traditionally, South African coaches, traditionally, are these battening ram coaches with yes. some expansive rugby where you go where you go to France and France the first thing they want to do is throw the ball around. You know, and those are the yeah. skills that you don't get taught in South Africa per se, because traditionally that's how we coach. So I mean and and you know if you go overseas and you can learn two or three skills and you bring that back to South Africa and you bring it back let's say let's say some Marcel could see now that has played for Ulster for all these years, surely there's something that he would have brought back to the Bulls, and Jake White was quite clever to bring back all those international guys that went all over the show, and it can just benefit the youngsters of today, you know, so. Um, Ricardo, we spoke during the the, um, the Lions tour, we spoke about the, the Sharks that uh, played the two games against the Lions, the first one, the British and Irish Lions, the first game, um, they were like sort of out of the game. But then the second game, the next week, they actually came back quite strong. Um, do you think our players currently in Europe, our uh, four franchises and the Lions specifically, will will have that same trend, that you will get used to the conditions, that you will get used to the, the style of playing and that your players will continually get better and become more competitive? 100%. And I think we're sitting with, uh, with with quality coaches. We're sitting with quality players that are good enough to make that change, that adjustment. Uh, unfortunately for us, uh, it's going to take a bit of time. But I'm sure after the first four rounds, when we come back, all the teams coming back to, to, to the UK again, um, players will adapt better. Uh, from a coaching point of view, we can also sort of pick up now what are the trends, uh, what are the points of differences. Uh, how should we how should we train how should we approach games uh, from a tactical point of view uh, you definitely need to spend more time on your kicking game your set pieces um, and yeah they, they play a lot more ball in hand I think this time of the season but I think over the, the winter uh, sort of period uh, teams will go to a more uh, kicking game a set piece game more defense orientated game I just think if you look at it in general yes. Sad, sadly so for the way the, the fixtures have been worked out is all our franchises being north at the same time. I think if, let's say, the Lions and Province were up there and the Sharks and, and um, the Bulls stayed behind and you had two of our franchises playing there and two of their franchises or three of their franchises coming yes. here, it would have been a different look to it because they would mm. obviously have to adapt to our conditions and we'll see that now after four weeks. I think it would have just made it easier on the eye to have 2-2 two, two playing because currently it looks like we're out of it and we're out of our depth and we don't know what's going on. I mean, there's the side like the Bulls. 
um, they are the ones that have been punted to say they will do well there. And they, they themselves, with the Jake White um, that is behind them, is also battling because the players, unfortunately, Ricardo, as coaches, you implement, but the players need to play. And they are the ones that really have to get used to the conditions and understand and read the game and whatever. So it makes it very difficult. But I think we'll see the change in that when they start coming to South Africa as well. Yeah, then uh, I think ideally we would love them to come. Uh, but at the moment, it looks like we're going to play all our home games in Italy. Sadly so. Uh, but we would love we would love them to come to Jovic, Ellis Park, uh, um, on the IFL, have a lack of altitude game, see how, how they can handle that. Uh, yeah, at the moment, we just have to roll over the punches and just deal with the cards that are in front of us. And, you know, if you look at it like that, I mean, we're going we're gonna to be playing against a lot of teams that were part of the British and Irish lines that were yeah. Yes. And a lot of the international players that have been here. And then I say it with respect to the Lions, you don't have many internationals. So your guys wouldn't really be exposed to playing outside of South Africa. It's a, it's a total new environment for them. And obviously will take them longer to adapt. But I agree 100%. Let's, I don't want to say let's can this this season. Next year, by the end of the season, we'll already be better. But I think the, the start of the new competition, you'll see different sides to, to what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, I think this maybe the one thing that we're forgetting is that they coming out of a preseason where we played, we played Curry Cup and uh, it was non-stop rugby. It's COVID. Uh, the challenge to to be in a bubble, um, getting tested three times a week for for COVID. Uh, you can't go anywhere. So that's that's a massive challenge where uh, they coming out of a preseason. Um, our boys had a short turnaround. Uh, we as coaches had a short turnaround. So, yeah, we're looking forward to the next break where we can sort of uh, just assess things and see where we can improve and where what are the work-ons. Um, Ricardo, our players now, or, or, or shall I say the Lions players uh, specifically, there's not a lot of those youngsters, as Mark also mentioned, a lot of those players that, that played abroad over um, in the last two years with COVID um, hampering all of that. Um, and for that matter, didn't play as many games as we would have uh, or would have liked to um, in the last two years. Do you think that has got a, a bigger effect on the, on the players' uh, mental um, fitness than, than actually losing a game? Yeah, I think it's a, it is a challenge, um, especially when you think about it. Uh, experience will always be a point of difference. Um, but what we're trying to do in us is to focus a lot on our rugby education and our team meetings, uh, unit meetings, uh, try to upskill the players and uh, get them smart. Uh, we play against teams that are just a little bit more streetwise than us. Um, and you can see in the game, uh, as, as small, small margins that are the point of difference. And unfortunately, if you play against... Uh, a guy, the outside centre of, of the Scarlets, he played for Wales. Um, yes. So, and you think about who we're playing and you compare the two players, it's just a massive point of difference for us. But um, we set up with a bunch of players who are keen, keen to learn. Um, they want to improve. We as coaches want to improve. We want to make sure that it, uh, the team, uh, we can, they prepare as well as we, uh, we can prepare, prepare them. But uh, unfortunately, time, time is against us. Um, time is not a luxury at the moment for us. Um, but uh, we're positive. Um, we want to make things work as, as soon as possible. Look, it's still early days, but, you know, I, they laughed at me the, the, the other day. I said it with tongue-in-cheek, but 
Someone said to me, no, obviously the Lions coming from the Curry Cup is the team that's going to battle. And I said, oh, it's possible. It is possible. All our teams are battling. But if you had to take our sides and you put them on one specific log, then the Lions are lying at the top at the moment. So who's battling, you know? So it is. It's, you have to take your chances when, it, when it's there. Um, you know, the Lions, the first 40 minutes on tour played exceptional rugby. And I think the world's eyes opened. I mean, the commentary... I actually sat back and smiled because the guy at one stage said he doesn't know what happened because South African teams are supposed to be battling when they're coming here. And yes, the Lions, that, uh, that was the poorest in the Curry Cup, and they're playing the, a decent side that has been in the, in the championships yes. for how long now already, and they didn't know. But that's the difference because I don't think with, with our franchises going north, although there's a lot of footage that you can get in that, you actually only really learn what's going on there once you're playing these on guys. The footage doesn't make make much of a difference if you don't know what's going on. Yeah, I think your biggest challenge is, uh, for, from a South African point of view, if you start um, comparing teams and you say you want to target uh, this team or that team, <laughs> that's your biggest mistake. Yes. All these teams are quality, whether Correct. it's Ebri or Edinburgh or Scarlets. They've got quality players, they've got quality coaches, yeah. so... Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat uh, from a South African point of view. Um, I think the big challenge now is just to uh, adapt as quickly as possible, to adjust as quickly as possible to the refs, to the conditions and to the pace of the game. No, it's a fact. Um, Ricardo, you mentioned that time is of the essence. We know that you've got a, another engagement that you have to go to, so we need to wrap this up. Um, I just want to say from, from my side personally, um, all the best to you personally in that uh, new role of yours. And may the Lions do very well in, the, in Europe. Yeah, and I think we can, we can organize uh, you a T-shirt. Uh, yeah, that makes two of us, don't and forget. Yeah, well, You've got a black and white one, Mark. So, I'll um, give you mine, I'll give you mine. I'll definitely wear it right here next to you, promise you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, I, don't have to, I don't have to ask you, will you support you? Because I can see it, you're wearing a Sharks t-shirt. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, no, I agree with, with Gus. It's, it's always a pleasure chatting to you. But before I say goodbye, I just want to ask you two things. Firstly, from an injury update, um, I know you lost your pivot. He's out. Um, are you flying someone in? Obviously, there's only a game left or so, but are you getting someone in to, to cover that position? What are you doing at 10 and how is he doing? Yeah, I think the challenge here is uh, just COVID. Um, once you're in the bubble, you're in the bubble. Right. So we have to find a way, and unfortunately for us, it happened today. Um, but we'll make a plan. We have to find uh, some sort of answer within the next 24 hours. Yeah. But uh, yeah, unlucky. Uh, we're definitely going to miss Eddie. Uh, and I, I, I knew he looked, he was sort of excited about the game. He looked forward to it and he couldn't wait to play. Right. Yeah, unlucky. Um, but with COVID, it's difficult. There's a lot of red tape around that. You can't just fly someone in as about visas and uh, vaccination. You have to make sure you cover all those things. Uh, yeah, challenge for us as coaches. But hopefully, we'll find an answer within the next 24 hours. But Ricardo Lopes wasn't too bad in his heyday. Can't he the slot in there? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm good enough now just for the warm-up. I'll make the warm-up and then you have to find another guy. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ricardo, then just in last, uh, for me closing, um, any message uh, that you might have for the Lions and South African fans from a supporting point of view, obviously for the Lions, but in general from South African point of view for all our franchises? No, I think personally the, there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes, whether it's the players, the coaches, um, uh, 
we can promise our fans that uh, it's not just pitching up. There's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of excitement. Um, yeah, obviously, if you don't get the results, there's a lot of disappointment. But uh, we can promise our fans or from a South African point of view, uh, there's a lot of hard work. And uh, I'm sure all the coaches, all the players are trying their best to make sure we turn things around. And thank you very much for your time. I really personally, I appreciate it. We've yes. uh, come a long way when you were still at the Sharks here. So uh, it's more personal, but uh, we'll definitely tap into into your experience and that again going forward. And all the best for you guys. Travel home safe and, you know, be safe and COVID and all of that. And I'm sure you guys are looking forward to seeing your families and that again. So good luck to the boys. Yeah. We hope you guys pull it through this weekend. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for the opportunity. And from Touchline as well, Ricardo, all the best for, for the Lions specifically and then for the South African teams in the um, United Champions Rugby Championship. Thank you. Thank enjoy you. enjoy your dinner. Yes, Thanks a lot. Keep well. Bye-bye. Yes. Thank you very much to Ricardo Lopesha for joining us once again. Um, always nice hearing from somebody that's right there in the middle of the of the war that knows what's going on and have a good feel of what what's happening yeah what's nice about this is you know he's been at a few franchises before he's ex-springbok coach um yet just shows you how things change and and teams change and your and your personnel that you have yeah he is now in the north being in the north before with the box and yes. coaching wherever he was and still they need to adapt, you know. So that's always nice, nice chatting to Ricardo. He's, he's always open-minded and a good friend of ours. Um, and, yeah, we wish them well. And looking forward to chatting to them again when, when the north comes to the south, and we'll see how that goes. Now, it would be very nice if the Lions can do well. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I as, as, I, as I said, um, the, out of the four franchises, the Lions are the only team that has won a game. So um, may that yes. continue. May that continue. Um, then uh, let's move on to, or let's move down to the south and talk a bit of Springbok rugby. Um, the Springboks winning the test against New Zealand, 31-29 in the last seconds. I think it's the first time in probably 15 years that I actually stand and watch the last 10 minutes of a game. I didn't even realize I was standing, but... They pointed out quickly that uh, I'm standing and shouting and walking around. And, but what a game. Yeah, look, it's always it's always special playing against New Zealand. Um, I just think the, the box or the coaching staff got it right this time. We've always spoken about a good kicking game, and that's, that's what we still brought to the table. But we varied it a little bit. Um, what I'm just thankful for is the from a Springbok point of view, you know, and you you take it personal sometimes, although we're not playing for them, and but they are pride. Um, you know, there was a lot of negativity coming out of New Zealand to say we're unskilled, we're unfit, and we're un-this, and we're not this and not that. And um, yet we silenced them a little bit, you know. So, and, it's, and, and one can't go and say we just beat them because the previous week they just beat us. And yes. if you go back barring... Barring the first game in the World Cup, our last five, six games against each other has been just that. Yes. And I don't know if if people have done the stats, but if you take the World Cup game that they beat us in the first round out of it and you look at our last five games, we scored 130 points, 
New Zealand scored 130 points on the yeah. dot. So that's how close it's been. Yes. Um, they're a quality side. They proved it for the last three, four decades. Um, what we now need to learn is to, to stay up there. Just want to share this part, though. Um, a few weeks ago, we asked, um, also with a joke, but we asked what's the short, shortest joke we've ever heard, and we said, mm. <laughs> Um So <laughs> what I also heard this week is that New Zealand have now got the record for being world number one for the shortest period. They won it last week, world number one. They back to world number two, and we back up. So there's another record for New Zealand as well. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> yeah, look, We've just to it. come back to that, you know, I always say you're as good as your last game. Yes. Um, I think there was lots of pressure on players and management. Um, I just think, you know, we were speaking earlier today at, at Club Rugby um, about the championships in Australia and my take on it is if we did not lose the first game against uh, the, Warrata, the Wallabies, we would in all probability have won the championship. I think that put us back. Yes. With all the negativity that came from there, it started creating doubt. And let's face it, players, players also listen and, and read things in social media and that. And that, who knows, that might have been but a negative. But... Typical us to bounce back, and yes, this was great. So I think uh, there were a lot of sore heads on Sunday morning. But mentioning that first game against the Wallabies, it's something that Ricardo Lofshaw also alluded to just now, is today was the first time in the two weeks that they are there now, two, three weeks that they are there, that they actually had a decent um, practice session. If you think about the box going into that first game, first test against Australia, they basically had Thursday and Friday to prepare properly. Um, that's when they were allowed to come out of the, the hotels and, and, and to actually have a decent practice session. So they had a Thursday and a Friday to play on a Saturday against mm. Australia. So, you know, how fair was it really? Yeah, look, it, 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 it is what it is, unfortunately. Is you unfortunate. can't change it. You know, there's, there's and, and a lot of people go back to doing what you've just done now, and, and rightfully so, because people ask the questions. And... That is you and me sitting on the couch looking in to say how fair and how yes. fair. And, and let's face it, how fair is it? You know, Dwayne Vermeulen spoke this weekend after that game to say people out there don't understand how difficult it's been in the last four months to basically be in a bubble, not seeing your family and that. And you can just exactly. imagine, there's the Argentinians. They've been like that for the last two years. So it makes it very difficult. But, and I say but, uh, with respect to everyone as well, because we're not there and you don't physically... Yes. and mentally feel what they go through. No one goes into a competition not knowing what the pros and cons are. And how you prepare for that is a different story now. But they knew that's going to happen. So there's, talking about that, there's, there's rumours now that the Northern Hemisphere Tour now in November might not take place anymore because Saru is now saying, sorry, we will not be going into a bubble for that lengthy period anymore. Um, and if it means... Can, canning three tests, then they will not play those three tests because they say player men mental health, the health of it yeah. is now what the question is. You know, so I can just imagine. I mean, you can think for yourself. If you were away from home for two weeks or whatever, that's one thing. But you can still walk around, you can still socialise, you can still do certain things. Yeah, yeah, these guys are. They're touring all over the show, and South Africa is a red flag, unfortunately. So when you go there, you need to be in your two-week bubble. Some places even more. Even if you're coming out of your bubble, you're only allowed so much freedom. It's a total 
new environment to everyone, you know, and, and I feel for them. But the main the main focus here is the way we bounce back, how yes. they did it. And yes, how maybe it, it was a it was a carrot that was dangling to say, Boys, we're going home tomorrow, let's make the best of it. Who knows? But I mean it worked. It was a it was a classic tight test match, a hard fought test match. I mean the breakdowns were ferocious, attacking from both both teams. Both. I mean, as I said earlier, they said we don't have skills. The Alenda scored that wonderful try in the in the corner there after Lucanio Alms back pass here behind his back. Yeah. I mean, those things they either stick or they don't. No. You see it more often from New Zealand than than any other team, I suppose. When we played against the Wallabies, their prop gave that underarm pass to go and score, and everyone said we're not skillful. Here we go the weekend against probably the best attacking side in the world, um, and and we do what they did, maybe even better, you know. And the way we did it is important now. Because that specific try was from our defence, and we're probably the best defensive side in the world at the moment, but it's from our defence that we created that turnover ball. The few games prior to that, we would probably have kicked the ball away. But yeah, we de decided there's space, we attack space and bang. But also, in the last couple of weeks, we were, we were criticised, or the Springboks were criticised for not being able to, to stay it out, not being able to, to actually take it to that last bit to actually win the game. And yeah, um, with them scoring with, with a minute and a half to go and we then come back to, to, to clinch the game, um, I think just silenced all those critics. Yeah, look, I, obviously you don't know what was said in the change rooms as to how we'll play because those are the scenarios that you, yes. that you play out as well. This might happen. Elton Yankees drop goal. You don't see many teams in the world no. drop goal yes. anymore. Um, but if you if you look at where that penalty was right at the end, France staying on the field, more often than not we would have gone to poles from there. Yes. Yet we decided to kick into touch, take a line out, drive, play a little bit. Who knows what's going to happen? And bang, we got a penalty in the front. That wouldn't have happened. I mean, you create your own luck by that as well. As a coach myself, knowing I had a France stain. I would probably have said it's a 50-50 go. Now you look at taking that kick into touch. It needs to be as close as possible to the try line. Your line out, your jumpers have to, your, your, your two has to find your jumpers. You have to recycle. There's so many things that could go wrong. On the day, it was for South Africa to win. The, the rugby gods were on our side. We, we took it with both arms. Um, and yeah, as I say, Bob's your uncle and... You know, it's it's just great knowing from a from a rugby nation that we've been under so much pressure and so criticised so much worldwide that we could bounce back. And I mean, New Zealand, their newspapers, their commentary, the coaching staff, players, everyone alike. Jordy Barrett, I mean, his post on on social media and that is absolutely awesome. The way they they respect South Africa and they praised us for the way that we played. And knowing that that's how we can play, and and you know, all the all the all the teams, the, the Wallabies, New Zealand, and South Africa, and probably New Zealand, South Africa more, had had a few players, first team players not available. It just shows that we are in a good space. Yes. Um, it would be sad if we don't go into a in November. Um, will be sad. Really, it would because I think it would put us back a little bit again. We're just getting there now. And it's ideal for us to go and blood some youngsters coming through because, unfortunately, going to Australia now over the last four weeks, many of our mm. second stringers, if you want to call that, 
didn't get game time at all. We need to get these guys playing. We need the youngsters to come through because yeah. now what's happening? After the World Cup, we we didn't actually plan for the rugby championship. No. We planned for the British and Irish Lions. Mm. Our focus has to shift now to the next World Cup. Must. So our youngsters, you know, the fussies and all those guys, they need to come yeah. to the fore now. So, from a from a coaching point of view, you as a coach now, um, two incidences in the in the game that stood out for me as as turning points. And I would like to ask you now if you um, will also see it as a as a turning point, or is it just um, again Jock Ninova and maybe with Arashi behind him being a bit cunning. And the one, the first one was that everybody spoke about the full front row being changed in the 38th minute, two minutes before halftime. Do you think that that was a deliberate move? to take the coaching staff's focus away from what actually happened to a, what is Ninaba now doing? Why is he changing his whole front row two minutes before halftime? Now look, it's, it's, it's very difficult to give you a proper answer on that because obviously coaching staff are different. Personally, um, I don't think it ever happens. <laughs> it doesn't matter what level you are at. You know, you can maybe change a prop or your hooker or something yeah. like that from a tactical point of view. Yes. Um, I think up until that stage, the, the front row that was playing weren't bad at all. They were actually doing actually quite well. Actually doing very well. Um, if you really think about it, when these three guys came on with a minute and a half or two minutes to go, they did not at that stage really make an impact because no, there wasn't time for them to make an impact. No. So the only solution that one can come up with is exactly that, is to play mind games um, as to what's happening. Whether whether it would have affected an astute coach like New Zealand has to think, well, I mean, they could have brought them on the 40th minute just as the second half started, um, which would have made more sense, if it makes sense. Um, so I don't know. It could be. And and, and maybe that is where, where things change. And and I, I can tell you now, that wouldn't have been on the spur of the moment decision. That would have been no, decided that, before the game even started. Yes. Um, except, obviously, if, if, it, it, if it was a deliberate move, because yes. it, it looked like a now deliberate move. That to move. me, because yeah. the whole front row changed. And, and, so. and, and keeping in mind what happened in the World Cup, number one, where our Rassi played mind games there, and then the mind games that were played during the, the Irish and the British and Irish Lions tour, the mind games there, um, I just get the feeling that it was a deliberate move just before halftime just to shift the focus, to to get them away from motivating and, and talking to the players the way they, they would have if that move didn't happen. Look, it could, it could well be. Um, as I said, we wouldn't know. Look, if they changed them with maybe seven minutes to go, um, I would have... Said well, 100%, because now there's something tweaking. Because obviously, fortune has it that if there's an injury up front in the front row, one of the players that have been substituted can come back. Yes. Um, with call it a minute and a half left or two minutes, whatever it was, there's not much time for that. But but agreed, because if you think about it, um, Ian Foster was still saying before the game uh, that knowing South Africa we would probably change some of the tactics going into that test and exactly what we did do. Yes. Um, so that would have been part of that, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a, look, it is Did a possibility. It was a brave decision because yeah. there was lots of talk about that at halftime in studio too. 
Talking about changing the tactics, it brings me to, to the second question I want to ask you. Is Everybody had a go at Vili LaRue being out of form and, and being bad under the high ball and his kicks didn't go where it was supposed to go and just nothing worked for Vili LaRue. Um, then changing or bringing Franz Stein into that position with, I think it was on the, yeah, on the 50th minute, yeah, you came in exactly at half-time. Or at half-time. Yeah. Um, and suddenly, the, the All Blacks played this, this, this very um, uh, tight defensive game where everybody pushed up and everybody was right on the, on the defensive lines. Nobody, nobody was back there because none of our kicks actually went where it was supposed to go and Willie didn't attack the way he normally did. So all of the, the defenders were pushed up right onto the defensive lines. And now suddenly you bring a Franz Stein that's got this massive boot. Um, he's, he's very unpredictable. And it's a completely different playing style to Vili LaRue. And it was actually the first game that Franz Stein played. And suddenly he pushed them back. His kicks just were exactly where they, they wanted it. Um, there was nobody at the back defending because everybody pushed up in the first half. Um, do you think that is also a deliberate move to, to say that now we're going to change the game completely and we're going to throw you offline. Yeah, look, I don't... It sounds, it sounds as if we're contradicting ourselves now. I don't think we changed the game by doing that because we played kicking rugby. So the question should be asked, really, is why did a player like Franz Stein not play from the beginning if that is what we wanted to do? More so, knowing in that specific tournament there was the 50-20-22 rule. And that's what he did very well, kicking yes. the ball from within our half into the 22 for us to get the line out. So that is where the question should should lie. And uh, and one should ask Jacques Nina about that. Having said yeah. that, though, I think it was a brilliant, brilliant ploy because we don't want to play in our half. We want to play in their half. But then you need to go back not only to that test match, to Australians' test matches as well, to say the fit, and, and none of the, the international sides actually utilise that, barring South Africa now. Yes. I mean, Villarreal did that in the first half as well, and I think the ref got a fright, I suppose, because it hasn't happened and we didn't get our own line out. This should have been ours. Yes. Having said that, from there, the, New Zealand actually went on to go and score a try, but that should have been our throwing in the line out. Yes. Um, but that is a tactic, and I, and I think all the teams... And, and, and I say all the teams because no one did it, but all the teams got that wrong because they do that specifically for you to bring it in so you can play rugby and attack and attack. And we go up and under, up and under, instead of putting it into the corner, into that. We got the, I mean, Mornay Stein can do it, Franz Stein can do yes. it, Andre Pollard can do it. Yet we opted for the up and unders the whole time. But I think that was a deliberate ploy, ploy to do that. And, and uh, you know, initially I also thought, yo. We spoke about this previously in the studio to say you've got the Francis Staines and all those guys that yes. they expect to come and produce the goods now that they haven't played. Um, then you and bring Franz Stein on for 40 minutes and I was saying, I don't, oh, I don't know if it's such a good idea for the simple reason that he's not as quick as he used to be. Um, so defensively, if he's not in the right position, um, he'd be found wanting. Having said that, asked Damien McKenzie. Defensively, he was in the right <laughs> position. Um, and his kicks. I mean, and, yes, and, and it was brilliant. Another thing I must just mention is give credit where credit is due. Even in the studio, we've questioned the ability and BMT of Elton Yankees. Yes. Saturday, 
Dwayne Vermeulen said the bomb squad, although it wasn't the exact bomb squad, but bomb yes. squad being our reserves. Yeah. Every single one that came on yes. on Saturday they produced have. the goods. And yeah. Elton Yankees, in the 15, 20 minutes that he was on the field, played brilliant rugby. And every single player that played on, on, on the weekend actually deserved it. And it's a feather in their cap. It's a feather in the coach's cap because there was also um, negative remarks saying that Yes, New Zealand, they won the 100th test, they've won the championship already. They're going into the fourth and, well, the sixth test, knowing that they've won it, but they want to have a clean sweep, yet they're still making changes to better their side. South Africa have lost the last three games, and we only made two changes, injury enforced changes, what's going on. So one has to give credit to the coaching staff to sticking with their guns. Yes, a Valerie didn't have a great game, understandable. Yep. But what they've tried to achieve is exactly what they did achieve. And ultimately, yes, we lost the championship, but it showed us yet again we are worthy champions, yes. world rugby champions I'm talking yes. about. As I said, we, uh, New Zealand have only been back to world number one for a week, um, and we're back to where we belong, and we're saying that from a South African point, point of, of view. view. Obviously, New Zealand would feel they belong there, but that is how close it is. You know? So uh, the margins are so small at that level and well done to, to Australia as well from going from seventh when we started in the, in the rugby championships number to ending three. number three. So well done. Southern Hemisphere rugby is, is on a good wicket at the moment. But, um, yeah, let's hope we go north so that we can continue with our progress. Um, then moving from Springbok rugby back to local club rugby, um, KZNRU has uh, given the green light for... Um, Tenza side to be played. Um, there's two uh, two different tournaments, the one being what they call the junior tournament for the second, third, fourth and fifth division clubs and teams and then the um, Hollywood Pets Tens tournament which is for the Premier League and first division clubs. Um, three rounds will be played, um, three different venues. There are some good news for club rugby in KZN? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're back to playing again, although it's 10-man format and not 15-man that everyone's used to and accustomed to. Um, ultimately, though, the boys are back on the field and the coaches are back at training and that. And then I just want to personally, from a from a, a Mamsam Toti point of view, thank the KwaZulu-Natal Rugby Union and the Sharks for offering Mamsam Toti to host two of those, two legs, yes. one in the First or Premier Division and one in the in the second division. Um, so those two, obviously, you'll allude to the dates and, and whatever a little bit later. Um, but it's great. And, and you know, Memzum Toti is the only club that was forwarded the opportunity to host Joe's. both. And uh, yeah. I'm also happy to say that it's open to spectators to come and watch. It is um, open. And we're looking forward to our community to come and watch all the games. And it's similar to the Sevens where, yes. um, you know, it's a whole day. I think it starts at 9 in the morning. It finishes at 3 in the afternoon. Yeah. So yes. it doesn't matter what club you support or whatever. The whole day is there and everyone is welcome to come and come and watch. Everybody is welcome, but we need to still emphasize that um, COVID will still apply or the COVID rules will still apply to the to the players. Um, screening will still be done. The players will still be in the bubble whilst on the field and playing, um, although it's open to um, 
to the public to come and come and watch and the spectators to come and watch and also very glad to to say that we'll be live streaming these games on the on the 6th of November the games on the 6th of November first round um, the junior division will be playing in Toti on the 23rd of October and then the seniors or the the Hollywood's bet uh, tens tournament will be played on the 6th of November in Toti and that one will definitely be live streamed that's awesome um you know as i said other than other than the fact that it's live streamed and being televised if you want to if you want to put it like that you know it's wonderful for sponsors that want to come on board definitely um you know covid unfortunately has had a massive say in in club rugby worldwide um and that goes to our sponsor partners as well so it's time for them to to get some air time and and for us to give back and you know hopefully i know they they looking at making this an annual uh, annual event yes um so hopefully it will be a successful one i know from toti point of view we're already starting to plan to get COVID protocols in place and and the fields and on on part to where we want it to be and to welcome all spectators but not only our club all the other clubs obviously will do yes. their preparations and uh, yet again thanks yeah. to KZNRU for this initiative and may it work for us and mm. and you know by doing that bring some different skill sets in um, it's similar similar obviously to sevens and then uh, yeah taking it from there and, and and building when we blink again it's nearly time for the new season to start that's <laughs> difficulty yeah so but it's just difficulty. great to be back on the park yeah I'm um, just talking about the all the clubs and all the teams involved in the um, junior tens tournament there's 14 teams that entered and in the Hollywood bets um, Tens tournament. There's eleven teams that entered, so there's there's going to be a, a fair amount of rugby played. No, definitely. And as I said, it's similar to the sevens where you play pool games and then it's knockouts, knockouts. and semis and finals and that. So as I said, it starts around about nine o'clock in the morning and we'll finish at three. And then, obviously, just to elude on it a little bit, although the games at Amsterdam Toti would be the twenty third of October and the sixth of November for yes. the two different tournaments. Yes. The week prior to each of them. Is when it actually starts, and the yes. week thereafter, After. the Toti ones is when yes. it finishes. So yes. both competitions will be run over three legs. Yes. Um, and uh, and as I said, it's it's great for whatever the clubs are that are involved in that and hosting it. And uh, may this be a start of an awesome tournament. Yeah, and then from a Toti Toti point of view, um, we would want to invite. All our players to come and come and join in, come and play, come and support, come and help the management team, and just volunteer for the day. Just come and be part of a Mums and Toti Rugby Club for those days. Yeah, not just that. I mean, it would be nice to have, doesn't matter the age now, but many an old boy um, yes. to come back and, and show face again and show the youngsters that Toti Rugby is, is strong in history. You know, we're 75 this year, and unfortunately, we haven't had the opportunity to do the festivities due to COVID and that. But well, you can't take away 75 years of history. Can't. Um, some internationals that came through us, some players that are from Toti that played in other, in other countries worldwide. Um, we've got 
such a history and we really invite all our golden oldies and all of those to come come down for the for those specific days as well and show support and mix with us, us a little bit and take it from there yeah so invitation to anybody that wants to get involved whether it's financial or volunteering or in whichever way you want to participate please contact us um we would love to talk to you all um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do it via our website, amamsintotirugbyclub.co.za, social media on our Facebook page, um, our Instagram page, or at the club. Contact any one of the coaches or the management staff at the club, and we will guide you in the right direction. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to hosting the first one with the, with the junior clubs and then obviously with the prem clubs. Looking forward to seeing our old rivals and then looking forward to this weekend's United Rugby Championships with the likes of the Ricardos, Lopes and them promising to deliver. Yes. So let's enjoy. Let's enjoy. Mark, once again, thank you for all your input, your thoughts, your ideas and... Uh, May we have a good rugby week this week. Definitely. Enjoy it. And yet again, thanks to the listeners for always tuning in. And thank you to those listeners that religiously sent through requests and questions and so forth. Um, and we request all the other listeners to, to do the same. Give us your content. Let us know what, what interests you so that we can discuss what, what the world out there wants to know. Thank you. From myself, Kasper Els, Mark Cameron and Touchline, thanks for tuning in and have a great rugby week.